4: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all, every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
5: Today is Friday, March 17, 2023, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered streaming live on the Black Star Network. The Republican-led North Carolina Supreme Court—they uh, have reheard arguments from a redistricting case the court ruled on in December when Democrats were in the majority. If the state's highest court reverses this decision, state legislators will determine the electoral districts, shifting the political power in North Carolina. I'll talk to a North Carolina state representative about what this would mean for the Tar Heel state. After years of debate about reparations, one city is close to making it a reality, but the San Francisco NAACP chapter opposes the proposed $5 million suggested in reparation payments for descendants of enslaved people. The co-chair of the San Francisco chapter of the NAACP will be here to explain why they want the city to reject this task force proposal. As three more people face murder charges in the death of a black man in police custody his fa- in Virginia, his family views the security video of the incident that led to his death. They say their son was tortured before he died. Ben Crump, the family's attorney, will be here to give us the latest on that case. In our Education Matters segment, an organization uses books to teach financial literacy and gives out stocks. I'll talk to a uh, Global Children's Financial Literacy Foundation co-founder about how they are equipping kids with financial skills. Also, Lance Reddick, the actor from The Wire and the John Wick series Dies at the Age of 60, we will have that in memoriam. Plus, Vice President Kamala Harris uh, speaks to the Howard University basketball team after their March Madness loss. We'll have that for you as well. It is time to bring the funk I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Let's go.
6: He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing.
7: Putting it down from sports to news to politics.
5: I've told y'all on many occasions why state elections matter. 2018, Sherry Beasley runs for reelection on the North Carolina Supreme Court for Chief Justice. She loses by 400 votes. Had Democrats won, they would have had a six-to-one majority on the state Supreme Court. Instead, they had a four-to-three majority because the Republican who ran against her won her seat. The person who ran for his seat, Republican, won 4-3. to three. What then happens in November 2022? One of those races. Democrat loses. Now the Democrats, now the Republicans have a 4-3 to three majority on the Supreme Court. Why is that important? In December, with the Democrats controlling the state Supreme Court, they made two crucial rulings on voting rights cases. Here we are four months later, and Republicans want to rehear? Now, they made a decision. They made a decision. Now the Republicans want to rehear the cases. So if anybody tells you there's no judicial activism on the side of Republicans, that is a 100% lie. This is a perfect example of the North Carolina Republicans rehearing cases that were just decided in December, y'all, four months ago. Why is this important? Because the Republicans in North Carolina in the legislature have been passing laws to limit black folks from voting. When me go back, 2008, President, then-Senator Obama, wins North Carolina by 14,100 votes. It was one of the highest turnout elections in North Carolina history. Republicans said, oh, hell no. We can't have these black people voting like this here. Voter ID laws. Start, start closing polling locations. With the laws, what then happens? Numbers drop, states so solidify power. More Mondays is launched. They're out there protesting. They start clawing back. They again get, a, get control of the courts. What do the courts decide? Racial gerrymandering. Rule against voter ID laws. This is how Republicans wield power on the state Supreme Court. And so now... They decided we're going to now rehear the case. Now, the case also pending in the U.S. Supreme Court, Moore versus Harper, which shot down the state's legislative-drawn congressional districts and those maps for being too partisan. Again, Republicans want justices to throw out that decision and allow the legislature to redraw all three, all three seats of the maps for the next election cycle. Again, why is this? Because North Carolina now actually has balance among the congressional districts. Republicans do not want that. now is North Carolina State State, State Representative, uh, Amber Baker. Representative Baker, glad to have you here. This has been a constant battle over the last 15 years in North Carolina as Republicans have used the state Supreme Court to lock in legislative rulings, and they have hated when Democrats rule against them, when they control the Supreme Court.
8: Yes. Again, thank you, Roland, for always having me on to help me keep people informed as to what is happening down here in North Carolina. And as it, as you've said so many times before, and it is certainly true, um, North Carolina is the state to watch in terms of what the Republicans are doing. We're the litmus for uh, the madness that they're trying to spread across Of the United States. And as you said at the top of the hour, um, our state constitution provides a clause that says that we should have an opportunity to participate in free elections um, and that any maps that are drawn uh, for Congress and for the state House and Senate should be drawn in such a way that it allows um, our voters to participate in the process. Uh, And the way that the maps had been originally drawn did not do that. So the gerrymandered maps that they presented and tried to enforce uh, was the reason that they lost the initial case. And so, as you said, these maps are not even three months old. That decision is not three months old. And no sooner that they got control of the Senate, um, and we are holding the House by uh, one seat, uh, they initially filed For these maps to um to to be thrown out and to be given an opportunity to redraw them and it is also critical to know is that concerning the maps although we have a democratic governor the governor cannot veto the maps so they are using the political um kind of process to do this and they're, they're doing it through the supreme court the other piece to 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 mention is that one of the seated Supreme Court justices is the son of the Senate pro tem. So, essentially, you have a father and son that are in control of two-thirds of our um, branches, the judiciary and the Senate on the legislative side.
5: Um, I-, I warn people, in fact, when Democrats took control of the state Supreme Court, um, I think it was in 16, these Republicans were so pissed off, they literally wanted to strip the state supreme court of its power and give it to the lower court. That's how Dashily they were trying to use the power.
8: Correct. And so now that they have control of the supreme court, and again, um, Chief Justice Newby, who replaced um, then Chief Justice Beasley, um, is a non-Republican. Um, again, Supreme Court Justice. Phil Berger Jr. is the son of of Phil Phil Berger, our Senate pro tem. And so I think that they reversed their tactic because they knew that that didn't work. So the one thing about them is that they're consistent in trying to push forth their agenda. And it took the, the, the Supreme Court 50 years to overturn Roe v. Wade. We're talking about lightning speed in terms of trying to overturn their own decision as well as it pertains to these maps,
5: um so um how do you' all battle this because obviously uh it's now in the hands of the state supreme court
8: so we we are, are waiting for the decision um we We expect that we should hear hear their decision soon um and back to your point about elections having consequences, um we pretty much have our hands tied uh we again we cannot um veto the this decision. Uh the governor has no no control over this. And right now we don't have we don't have control of the Senate. The the Senate is in supermajority and we are barely holding on. Um it is a one vote margin in the house to be able to stop some additional bad bills. So I will say this that the maps is the is the big prize. But you need to know that coming behind those maps um, are the voter ID laws that we were able to uphold the governor's veto on, um, the abortion rights issue in the state. Um, all of these bills are still in the queue. Uh, the governor just uh, vetoed to, uh, today the, um, the riot bill. So there are, there are a number of bills that are going to come back through. Because they have the power, and what we're afraid of is that those bills will be buried in the budget. Um, they were able, we were able to pass Medicaid expansion, and and so um, we passed that outright. But I do think that buried in the budget will be many of these bills that will be companion bills that will continue to assault assault on our voters, on our black people, and on. Disf- continue to disenfranchise us as, as a group of people. Last question for you: um, When are there
5: any legislative elections this year, or are they in 2024?
8: They are in 2024, um, and so we file in December, and so we don't have um, any seats that will be be um, contested in 2023. Um, uh, and
5: so- what what is how how many seats do, uh, do Republicans? Uh, control uh, the Senate.
8: On the Senate side, uh, th- we have sixty seats over there, and it's twenty-nine Democrats, so forty-one seats. Wow, wow,
5: forty. So, so forty-one seats. And are all of those seats up in twenty twenty-four?
8: They are. We run every two years, so. So, so every, everybody runs. Everybody runs. So, you in twenty twenty-four, all one hundred and eighty seats will be. Um, Contested. We so, work
5: every two years. So y'all have a one-seat majority on the Democratic side, uh, and they have um, uh, they, they they so what? There are sixty seats in the, in, the, in the state Senate. It is. Gotcha. And so twenty-nine of them are Democrats.
8: Correct. Got it. Okay. We, All we right. A hundred and we have a hundred and twenty seats in the House side, and we only have forty-nine votes.
5: Wow. All right then, Representative Baker, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot.
8: Thank you, and Roland, Thank you for for wearing your Howard T-shirt. Shout well, out
5: to our. It, well, I was, you know, again, I was, uh, I was looking for some Texas Southern gear. Realized I didn't have any. Uh, they were the two HBCU teams that made the NCAA tournament. TSU What's the Southern State
8: made it? Huh? We. What's the Southern State made it as well? Say it again. Winston Salem State
5: made it as well. Oh, okay. All right. Then. Well, I do have some Winston Salem State gear. So I'll rock them on Monday. I don't have any TSU. I've already told TSU that. So I said, I'll wear the Howard stuff today, even though they lost the game. Uh, well, but uh, we'll appreciate it. Thank you, sir. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right, folks, going to break. We'll talk more about uh, this North Carolina issue. We come back right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered, the Black Star Network. Don't forget, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button. Y'all also download our app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. Uh, You can also, of course, support us. Your dollars make it possible for us to do what we do. Checks and money orders. Go to PO Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196.
9: Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning.
10: We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like.
9: Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us
5: at 92.3 WCOL.
10: Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app.
5: Cash App, Dollar Sound, R M Unfiltered, PayPal, R Martin Unfiltered, Venmo is R M Unfiltered, Zell is rolling at RollinSmartin.com. rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com, and be sure to get a copy of my book White Fear: How the Browning of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Minds available at all those bookstores, uh, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, Target. You can also download your copy on Audible. We'll be right back.
10: On the next Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, the studies show that millennials and Gen Xers will be less well off than their parents. What can we do to make sure that we get to children younger and that they have the right money habits? Well, joining me on the next Get Wealthy is an author who's created a master playbook.
6: Be willing to share some of your money mistakes, right? If that's what what you have to lean on, um, start with the money mistakes that you have made, but don't just tell the mistake, right? Tell the lesson in the
10: mistake. That's right here on Get Wealthy,
11: only on Black Star Network. A lot of these corporations or people that are running stuff push Black people if they're doing a certain thing. What that does is it creates a butterfly effect of any young kid who, you know, wants to leave any situation they're in, and the only people they see are people that are doing this, so I gotta be a gangster, I gotta shoot, I gotta sell, I gotta do this in order to do it. And it just becomes a cycle, but when someone comes around and is making other, oh, we don't, you know, they don't want to push it or put money into it. So that's definitely something I'm trying to fix too, is just show up those other avenues. You don't got to be a rapper, you don't got to be a ball player. You can be a country singer, you can be an opera singer, you can be a damn whatever, you know? Showing the, the different avenues. And that is possible, and it's hard for people to realize it's possible until someone dies.
4: Everybody, it's your girl who now. So what's up? This is your boy Earthquake. Hi, I'm
12: Chailey Rose, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. <sighs>
5: our panel. Uh, Matt Manning, civil rights attorney out of Texas. Also, Michael Enhotep, host of the African History Network show out of Detroit. Let's <coughs> have both of you here. Um, Madam, I'll start with you. Uh, I, I've walked through this repeatedly. And, and this is what I'm trying to get people to understand. And, and let me just go ahead and, and be clear. Uh, I had some dude I had some dude on Twitter Let me find his name. Yeah, I'm going to name check him. Because he said really one of the stupidest comments. And I keep telling y'all why you can't listen. So some dude named Carrera Harris. Carrera Harris. Okay. And so um, this is what, let me go here and see if I can, I I, got to show y'all this here. Because this is a perfect example of what I keep telling y'all about these simple Simons who don't know nothing about politics. And it really gets on my nerves. They don't know nothing about politics, but they love saying dumb stuff where they somehow think they are smart. So this is what he tweeted right here. Used to watch your show all the time, brother. And while I disagree with Dr. Umar's incendiary language about you, The reason I personally stopped watching was because it did seem like you had an agenda behind your content. And I said, yeah, I do have an agenda. I said, my agenda, black people. And so he then says, hold up, let me pull this up. He then says, the agenda is always in lockstep with the Democrat Party's agenda. And I think we all we, we can all see that neither party really has a, quote, real agenda for our community. Respectfully, brother, but I see this is the part where you are trying to shame or engage in ad hominem, right? And then other people started commenting. See, what I just explained to you is a perfect example. Where I've said to people, Hey, somebody's gonna win. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be a, di- unless, like in or- uh, in Washington State and California, where they change it with the top two vote getters or are- go on to uh, the general election. Races are gonna come down to a Democrat or Republican. In the case of North Carolina, let's be real clear, when it comes to who wants to keep. Black people from voting. It is the Republican Party. A three-panel federal judge panel concluded there was a there was a laser-like precision in the targeting of black voters by North Carolina Republicans. So for all y'all people, roll the you shill it for the Democrats. For all y'all who listen to all these so-called new black media fools, let me show you again. Right now, in North Carolina, Republicans want to keep black people from voting. So when they got control of the legislature, they passed laws against black people. When they, they got pissed, When Democrats, let me say it again, for all you simple Simons, when the Democrats took over the state Supreme Court, they ruled against racial gerrymandering. They ruled against voter ID. They ruled against all of the things Republicans wanted to do. Who ruled for them? Democrats. Now... If I have a choice, Matt, between Republican, Democrat, anti-black, standing with black voters, this ain't hard to figure out as to which one I would rather see in power, and then if they are in power, I can now put pressure on them to get what I want when I know for a fact These people on the right don't want to do anything for black people.
13: That's true. Not only is that true, they're not hiding that fact. I mean, any decision that you have or any opinion that you have that is on the side of the Democrats here is really less on the side of the Democrats and more on the side of democracy. The idea that a judge, a panel, rather, a court, would make a decision... And then when the balance of power changes, we're now rehearing that decision to make a new decision that's more in line with our political party is abhorrent. And that is not how it works. And that's not even trying to thinly veil your agenda through the Republicans. That's making it clear. It's an all-out assault on rights and on democracy and on participation in the democracy. So as much as people want to make it a binary thing, like you're just out for Democrats, it's out for democracy. Because where we are is talking about allowing state legislatures to, you know, write these or draw these gerrymandered districts and then not even allow a state Supreme Court to have oversight on a bogus reading of the Constitution. I mean, if you allow that, then you're allowing places like Texas and North Carolina and Florida and the most insane jurisdictions around the country to just decide to implement laws and or implement districts that completely write out, people, which is exactly what North Carolina is trying to do. And the irony of all of this is the founders, James Madison and some of the others, were completely against state legislatures having this much power because they didn't trust that they would work in their national interest. And this is obviously the case, not as it relates to the national interest, but as it relates to the participation of everybody in the democracy. They are clearly trying to cut out black people, and I don't know how anybody can miss that, because they're very obviously making that clear.
5: And, And here's the thing. That I don't understand, Michael. And, and again, and again, for all these simple I mean, simons, I go in the breakfast club, uh, he's chilling for the Democrats. Uh, all he wants to do is vote for Democrat. It's sitting in front of you, the Republican Party in North Carolina, in Georgia, in Florida, in Alabama, in Mississippi, in Louisiana, in Texas, in Arkansas, in South Carolina, in Iowa, in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, in New York State. I can go on and on and on. Right. They are virally anti-Democrat voting. They are in Wisconsin. They want mm-hmm. to ban ballot drop boxes because too many of us voted. They want to ban voting locations on college campuses because young people, whether they are black, white, Latino, voted Democrat and Republican, they want to sit here, shut down polling locations. They want to move polling locations to small, small places with small lots, or what they want to do is put voting locations in police stations to intimidate people. It was only, it was Deron Sanders and the Republican Party who arrested black people who were formerly incarcerated wrongfully for trying to vote. Now, I'm just trying to understand, if I am presenting undeniable facts and then all these fools yelling, yeah, they ain't gonna do nothing for us, they ain't gonna do nothing for us, we know for a fact who ain't doing shit for us, but, I'm supposed to sit here and go, both of them ain't nothing, so therefore don't vote.
9: Yeah, Roland, it's ridiculous, and I deal with some of those people, too. So one thing I don't do is argue with people who have no clue what they're talking about. And when I see uh, people making comments like that, shilling for the Democrats, et cetera, this is stuff they got from uh, uh, black misinformation social media pimps. These are talking points they got from them. They don't study policy. This is why they can't explain the voter suppression tactics. This is why they can't explain what Republicans are doing. When you talk about the voter suppression tactics, when we, when we talk about the 400-plus bills that Republicans have introduced in state legislatures, OK, those bills are largely coming from Heritage Action for America, Heritage Action for America is the sister uh, organization to the Heritage Foundation. They they crafted—it was the Heritage Action for America who uh, crafted uh, Georgia's SB-201 bill, OK, Senate Bill 201, which uh, really kicked off this whole voter suppression thing. And then uh, after— uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris won and running on the big lie. And then you see copies of these bills in various states legisl in various state legislatures. This is a very well-funded initiative. If you go back and, and look at Shelby County versus Holder, 2013 U.S. Supreme Court case, which gut section four of the Voting Rights Act. Right after that, within 24 hours of that uh, US Supreme Court case taking place, of uh, the, the decision taking place. You had states passing new voter restriction laws, which helped Trump win in 2016, because there were 868 fewer polling places in 2016, and many of those polling places were shut down in in, uh, uh, areas that have high African-American and Latino populations. So what happens is, now, you have some people who mean well, but they listen to dumbasses who don't mean well, and they don't know the difference. I encourage people to watch this show, but go do the research. Proper documentation ends all conversation. This is why I pre- present the evidence. I don't spend a lot of time arguing with people that don't know what they're talking about.
5: Uh, Pastor Shannon Wright, um, look, you're a Republican. You run as a Republican. And what's what happening here in North Carolina, to me, it, again, is shameful. And, and what you have here is, you I mean, literally, the North Carolina Su- State Supreme Court just ruled in December. Republicans get control of the court They are rehearing cases that were just decided. If that ain't a partisan bent, what the hell is? Well, clearly it's a partisan bent, but
14: you know, here's the thing. Political parties are to do just that, promote the interest of the parties, not necessarily the policies that best benefit the people. And and there's a difference between those two. When you see things like that happening, obviously it's a political um, power grab. I get that, I see it. That's happening everywhere. But until people, as, as as the gentleman said, actually educate themselves on the issues, on the laws, and on policies and what benefits them and what doesn't,
5: we're going to continue to see things like this. But in the case that was happening there in North Carolina, here's my problem. My problem is these people are specifically, they are specifically targeting black people. Federal judges ruled they were targeting black people they changed the early voting rules in North Carolina after determining that 70% of black people voted early voting in North Carolina. So So Republican North Carolina are undeniable. They are targeting black people. That, to me, is shameful and despicable.
14: I would agree. I think any party, any place where you actually target people to say that the rights that, that, that folks sh- shed blood, sweat, and tears to get to be able to vote, where you're going to try and play some gamesmanship to be able to take that right away is
5: wrong, period. And they're mad because Black people turned out... They're they, 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 they are mad because Black people turned out in massive numbers for Obama in 2008, and they made clear we ain't going to let that happen again. Hold tight one second. I got to go to a break. Uh, you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network back in a moment. When you talk about blackness and what happens in black culture, we're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns.
10: This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's
5: a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it, and you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause 0196 the cash app is dollar sign rm unfiltered paypal is r martin unfiltered venmo is rm unfiltered zell is roland at rolandsmartin.com coming up on the next black tape a conversation with professor
0: howard w french
15: new book, Born in Blackness,
0: covering 600 years of global African history and helping us understand how the world we know today is a gift from Black people. There could have been no West without Africa and Africa. That's on the next Black Table with me, Greg Carr, only on the Black Star Network.
4: We're all impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives, and we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. Hi, I'm Eric Nolan. I'm Shantae Moore. Hi,
6: my name is LaToya Luckett, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. (laughs)
5: San Francisco set up a task force uh, to examine the issue of reparations. The task force came back and said they calculated that the city of San Francisco should uh, provide payments of about $5 million uh, to African Americans uh, who live in San Francisco. They laid out a criteria as to who should qualify for that. Well, uh, the San Francisco NAACP then put out a statement where they said they actually rejected This particular committee's recommendation arguing that the money should be dispersed by by investments and opportunities to the black community, but not direct cash payments. And the San Francisco Board of Supervisors... Embrace the 111 recommendations from the city-appointed reparations committee, including lump-sum payments of $5 million to every eligible black citizen, guaranteed income of 97000 per year for 250 years, eliminating a personal debt and tax burdens in homes for just $1. The San Francisco Reparations Committee's final report is due on July 1st. Joining us now is the president of the NAACP chapter there, also a member of the San Francisco Reparations Task Force, Reverend Dr. Amos Brown. Doc, glad to have you on the show. So first...
17: so Thank first, for the opportunity.
5: First, Pastor Brown, um, you have been a longtime supporter of reparations, correct?
17: Yes, I have. And I'm also vice chair of the state reparations
5: so, task force. So, so you're a member of the San Francisco Task Force Committee and the vice chair of the state committee that's been examining this as well. A lot. Correct. A lot of people have been blasting you in the chapter for this particular statement, saying, "How dare you oppose the money going direct as opposed to the five areas that y'all outlined?" Why have y'all? Ta- why has the chapter taken the position to oppose the committee's recommendation of direct payments as opposed to the five areas y'all laid out?
17: Let me give you some clarification. Uh, and do some truth branch, cash payments.
5: Okay, first of all, Pastor Brown, hold on. You broke up there, so uh, start your comment over again. Go ahead.
17: Let me be a truth tell. Is not against cash payments at all. But we are against being put in a trick bag and set up for failure. And those members of the Board of Supervisors Gave lip service to the concept, the idea of reparations. But beginning with the chair, he's the one who said no cash. And the chairperson of the finance committee, an Asian lady, Miss Chan, said we have a deficit in the city. And we cannot afford it. The point, brother. I'm making is that we must not let our adversaries, whoever they may be, set us up for another study, another to be put on a shelf and to collect dust. We must have action and action now. We believe in cash plus, is not either or.
5: So when you say they're set, the setup. These two wings for bird. So, so when you say there's a setup going on here uh, are you saying that what has happened is you've had a lot of people a lot of commenting from people uh, uh, on this very issue uh, and and so there are people who have been opposing uh, direct payments they've been attacking them they've said oh this is going to bankrupt individuals in San Francisco right. things like so you believe that if that is if that is how it's set up it's guaranteed never to
17: pass is that what you're saying They did not, (laughs) on Tuesday night, vote at all. This thing has been delayed until October. And I feel that we should not be delayed doing the right thing. Dr. King said the time is always right to do right. They could have easily said, we support cash payments too. And even if we are facing a deficit, we can establish a payout plan, but they did not. And the mistake of the chairperson, he meant well, but he said to National Public Radio that there was no math formula for this $5 million. It was just something that was taken out of thin air that was put into the document. And that was unfortunate, For then the general public began to focus on the $5 million with no plan. And even if we had a problem with the deficit, somebody should have said, we can get from the private sector monies to establish a reparation fund. We have billionaires in San Francisco of capital than any major city in the United States, according to a recent study. So I just feel, and my constituent base feels, we... Must be deliberate, and we must move to bring about redress and restoration. So, black people in the city. The- All right.
5: So, 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 Dr. Brown. So here's the deal, guys. Go to my iPad. This is the press release that was sent out, and this is where I think there's confusion. The press release says the San Francisco NAACP today called upon the board of supervisors. To reject a one-time, uh, a, to to reject a one-time five million dollar reparations payment to blacks, but instead call upon the city to make investments in five key areas to atone for a history of racism, discrimination, and m- mistreatment. Now you say, and you and it lays out in here what those five are, and that is uh, invest in education, economic empowerment, housing, health care. Uh, in the Fillmore Heritage Center. Now, you, you, you said that you believe in payments and this. So, again, yes. okay. So, but 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 the statement doesn't address payments, and so people people assumed that was that was,
17: that was a misprint. That that, that, that that was a misprint. That was that line was left out of there. That was a misprint, but the basic position, what I'm saying, Brother Roland, is we support, we definitely support payments,
5: but you've got to have a plan. But, okay, even, but hold tight, one second, hold on. <laughs> Rembrandt, hold on one second. I'm got to go to a break because uh, I, I, I got to come back because you said it was a misprint. The problem is most people have ran with this press release and they are saying you don't support payments. Well, so let's go to a break. Uh, and it's also, for, let, let's, let's get his signal fixed because you're going in and out. So we want to make sure that that's straight. And we'll come back right on Rolling Mark Unfiltered on the Black Star Network.
10: Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene. A white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence.
4: Soil, you will not
5: white people soil. are losing their damn minds
9: as a backlash this is the
5: rise of the proud boys and the boogaloo boys america there's going to be more of this
6: this country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our...
1: My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22.
2: It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult
3: education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.
5: Women, this is Whitefield.
4: By the culture, whether we know it or not, from politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives, and we're going to talk about it every day, right here on The Culture, with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network.
10: On The Next Get Wealthy, with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach. The studies show that millennials and Gen Xers will be less well off than their parents. What can we do to make sure that we get to children younger and that they have the right money habits? Well, joining me on the next Get Wealthy is an author who's created a master playbook.
6: Be willing to share some of your money mistakes, right? If If that's what you have to lean on, um, start with the many mistakes that you have made, but don't just tell the mistake, right? Tell the lesson in the mistake.
10: That's right here on Get Wealthy, only on Black Star Network.
4: Hi, I'm LD Barge. Hey yo, peace world, what's going on? It's the Love King of RB Raheem Devon, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. <laughs>
5: All right, welcome back to Mart Unfiltered. So, 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 Pastor Brown, I, I just want to be clear. Go back to my iPad. The statement that was released, the headline says, San Francisco NAACP rejects $5 million reparations payment to blacks. And then it says it in the sub... So you're, you're saying that this statement that was released publicly, this statement is wrong. That's right. So the San Francisco NAACP supports direct payments plus yeah. investments to the Black communities. That's
17: right, and and in in the 100 plus recommendations, some of the same things are listed. What we introduced in 2019, you see, I introduced. The idea of reparations to this community. On the 30th of July 2019, to our national convention in Detroit, Michigan. So let there be no mistake about it. We support cash
5: plus. And so the state so are- so you support the five million. But you also to, to individual African Americans. But you also want further investment in black institutions.
17: Even the five million is not enough for the hell, the horror, and the hardship of our people. You can't put a dollar sign on the oppression, enslavement, and downright insult and assault to our humanity. So that was a mistake that was made there regarding our position. And I'm setting the record straight now that we cash payment plus subsidy programs. That's what we must have to turn things around for African-Americans in this city. The median income for blacks in this town is $30,000 a year. But for whites, $110,000. Latinos and Asians, it's between seventy-five dollars and $80,000 a year. We are the worst level when it comes to education and achievement in the school district. We still have the challenge of not being able to get jobs and our fair share of contracts from the public and private sectors. Even with all the infrastructure work that's now going on in this city, you don't see blacks handling this heavy equipment. They used to have us holding up signs to direct the traffic. But now you don't even see those jobs. We must understand that we got to approach things holistically, strategically, wisely, and not be cheapened when it comes to this issue of reparations.
5: All right. So so, here, so the next question. Do you believe that the San Francisco City Council is going to support $5 million cash payment?
17: From what they said on <laughs> Tuesday night, and I sat there until 9.30, almost 7 <laughs> o'clock, down to the nose, gave these eloquent, flowery statements about our pain and what we deserve. But they said, we're not sure about cash payments. And in addition to that, one of the members, to be exact, Mr. Dorsey, the newest member on that board, this up for a vote before the citizens. So that kind of conversation. Watch out.
5: So, so when is this? Be so, when is this vote supposed to take place?
17: It is really, they put it off, Brother Roland, until October. Okay, And even the budget of of the city will be adopted at the end of this June. So the money is going to come from somewhere, and this is the reason why there should be right now, so our people will not be misled, they will not be set up assuming that a check is going to be cut for them and cause us to be frustrated, angry, and sad again. Disappointment. That's what our basic concern is. And it was unfortunate that this matter went out of the five million dollars. The chair said there was no mathematically, and also to say that this is just a figure that was thrown out there.
5: Okay. All right. Uh,
17: That's what makes it. <laughs>
5: All right, Reverend Dr. Brown, uh, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, I wish we had a better connection. No, thank you. It was difficult, uh, but uh, we got the gist of what you said. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Um, Michael, I'm going to start with you. Um, this, first of all, this, this is going exactly like we've always said it was going to go, uh, that the moment you begin to put numbers out there, you're going to then face resistance. Um, this also was a big screw up by the San Francisco NAACP. So you put a statement goes out saying they oppose direct payments. It's in the headline. Everybody runs with it. They're blasting the NAACP. Now Reverend, Bra- Reverend Brown has to come out and say no, that was a mistake. Uh, and so the chapter needs to be reissuing a statement or something along those lines because this is what people believe.
9: Yeah. So first of all, Roland, you know, um, we talked about. Um, the San Francisco Reparations Task Force yesterday on Farajah Muhammad show, The Culture, right here on your network, the Black Star Media Network. And uh, I've been following what's going on with California and San Francisco Reparations. Um, there were over 100 recommendations that, that were given at, at this meeting that just took place on Tuesday. What's happened, and there have been a lot of reparations activists, as well as Dr. William Darity, who have been critical of this $5 million number because it's taken... First of all, it's unrealistic. It's totally unrealistic. San Francisco is dealing with a $728 million budget deficit over the next two years. Okay? $5 million per... And there's about 50,000 African Americans in San Francisco. Uh, from what I understand, it's going to be... Uh, you have to be at least 18 or, eighteen years or older and meet some other criteria. Uh, and then... It's also important to understand, in the state of California, race-based policies are illegal in in, in the state of California. This is why the California Reparations Task Force, which Dr. Amos Brown also sits on, this is why they're going to distribute whatever they come up with based upon lineage as opposed to race, because they want to make sure it doesn't get overturned in court. Also, it's important to understand, when you study the history of California, California does not have a history of slavery. They do have a rampant history of racism, housing discrimination, redlining, segregation, voter suppression, et cetera. So, uh, you know, just very quickly, Dr. William Darity in this article from The Washington Post said, calling for $5 million payout by a local government undercuts the credibility of the reparations effort. So,
5: um... But, but here's the deal, I though. People... There, there are people who disagree with Darity. So, I mean, and, they, that's, they, the... They can... and that's the point. Yeah. You've got people who believe in it should be direct payments, others who believe in lineage-based, and and that's a deal. You've got different, different factions all operating at one time.
9: We need... What, Roland? We need comprehensive reparations. The the root concept... But but here's the deal. There are some people who still believe in comprehensive, but also individual payments. I'm not against individual payments. What I'm saying is, is individual payments need to be realistic. Thinking that they're gonna give five million dollars to every black person who's 18 years or older in San Francisco is totally unrealistic. That ain't happening. And what happens is it, it distracts from other recommendations that are realistic, that could be attainable. And people are just focus on the five million dollars. And when they don't get it, then they just want a lot of them just want to throw up their hands. Okay. So we we really have to. Th- this is why we really have to understand history, but also understand law and and really how to get something that is really realistic and achievable and make sure it does not get overturned in the court, because they're going to file lawsuits to block this, just like the lawsuits filed when it comes to student loan forgiveness. And President Joe Biden's executive order. And we want to make sure that we're on strong legal footing so whatever
5: gets passed at the city level doesn't get overturned in the courts. All right, hold tight one second. Got to go to a break. We'll come back. We'll hear from uh, Shannon and Matt Banning on this very issue, folks. Don't forget, download our app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku amazon fire tv xbox one samsung smart tv that's the black star network curated by roland s martin also if you're on youtube hit that like button folks so we can easily get past a thousand likes we'll be right back on the black star network black star network is here. oh no punch i'm real uh, revolutionary right now uh, thank you for being the voice of black america all the momentum we have now
7: On the next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, re-entry anxiety. A lot of us are having trouble transitioning in this post-pandemic society and don't even realize it. We are literally stuck between two worlds in purgatory how to get out of purgatory and regain your footing and balance.
10: What emotions they're feeling and being able to label them because as soon as you label an emotion, it's easier to self-regulate. It's easier to manage that emotion. the next A Balanced
7: Life on Black Star Network.
10: On the next Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, the studies show that millennials and Gen Xers will be less well-off than their parents. What can we do to make sure that we get to children younger and that they have the right money habits? Well, joining me on the next Get Wealthy is an author who's created a master
6: playbook. Be willing to share some of your money mistakes right? If that's what, if that's what you have to lean
1: on. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22.
2: It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult
3: education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.
6: Um, start with the many mistakes that you have made, but don't just tell the mistake, right? Tell the lesson in the mistake.
10: That's right here on Get Wealthy, only on Black Star Network.
16: Hey, I'm Antanik Smith.
5: What up, Lana Well? And you are watching Rolling Martin Unfiltered. All right. So the San Francisco NAACP puts out a statement saying that they oppose direct payments of five million dollars to San Francisco residents for reparations. Reverend Dr. Amos Brown just came on our show. He's on that task force in San Francisco, vice chair of the California task force. He says that was an error. That was not the case. They support cash payments plus. This was all the sort of back and forth. City council is gonna actually uh, make a determination about this uh, possibly in October. Um, Shannon, uh, your thoughts again. I mean, so here we are, where this committee comes up with a number. Now everybody's talking about Hey, it's unrealistic. Others are say five million is too. Is not enough money. So, your thoughts about uh, this uh, whole reparations uh, battle there in San Francisco?
14: Even with inflation, wouldn't five acres and a mule been cheaper? I mean, had had things been done correctly way back, 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 we wouldn't still be having this argument today. Right, but the reality, but here's the deal though: it
5: wasn't it wasn't done correctly, so this is where we are now.
14: No, and I get that. But in terms of the $5 million, if it, if it was indeed an arbitrary number, which, unless there's a formula out there, it obviously was, there was never any intention on doing anything with it. If you pick a number without a formula and just put it out there, it's because you have no intention on giving a dang blasted dime on any part of this. So to have an argument about whether it should be direct payment or it should be this or it should be that, you need to be looking at, was it ever real to begin with? And I don't believe it was. Um, I I, I see that there have been several different proposals. I see that there's some folks that want direct payments, some folks that talk about lineage, some folks talk about um, infrastructural investments, fix education and all those things. But all of those things should have been going on to begin with. The fact that we are still in a place of having these conversations mean there is no real interest by the folks that have the ability to make the difference to actually do so. Matt.
18: Yeah, I mean, I echo some of those sentiments. I don't think it was ever really going to happen. But the bigger question here is, you know, reparation should be reparative, right? So a one-time right. payment I don't think is is good. Well, I think a one-time payment is good, but I don't think that should be the end-all, be-all. So I like the idea of cash plus. But beyond that, I like the idea of there being some actual institutional changes, which is sounds like what the NAACP is advocating for. But what I found to be a big slap in the face here is that you know, the city of San Francisco, like Michael was saying, has a huge deficit, but it doesn't make sense to me that that's also the place where you have the most billionaires and they don't have a way to figure out, one, a better formula, and two, a more workable way to do it. And I don't anticipate that there would be necessarily private investment, but the bigger issue with me for reparations overall is that, you know, when the government wants to do something, it figures out how to do it, i.e. bailing out banks. But when it comes to a long-standing debt, i.e. reparations, we always get mired in how are we going to do it and the legal issues and all of that, when the basics of it, morality, from a morality standpoint, is that this is something that should have long ago been done, and it should be something that should be a, a primary concern. So I don't think they have any real intention of paying people $5 million, but they should have an intention of finding a way to balance the scales, particularly with such a great income disparity there. I mean, for it to be 30000 for Black families and north of 80000 for Latino and Asian families... That alone is a great disparity, and it seems like something they should be a little more incisive in addressing.
5: All right, folks, Uh, let's uh, talk about uh, the issue of uh, clean energy, jobs, and the environment. Of course, many clean energy companies are talking about, again, clean energy. A lot of people can't even define what that is, but the question is, who's also getting hired? What companies are getting hired? Are African-Americans being left out of uh, this multi-billion dollar economy. Joining us now from New York uh, is the founder of Climate Critical Earth, an organization that helps leaders strategically find solutions to stop the climate crisis. Uh, Tamara tolls and Tamara, glad to have you here. So, uh, you know, again, o- on this point about w- when we say clean energy, first of all, what the hell is that? Define that. Yeah.
19: Clean energy is energy that, that doesn't kill you. I wish I could make it more complicated than that. Because, it it gives, like,
5: I've heard clean coal.
19: <laughs> if, it gives you, if it gives you lung cancer, if it uh, puts your family in the hospital, if it makes it likely that you'll get a chronic disease, it is not clean energy. If it keeps you from being able to catch fish because it jacks up the water or electrocutes the wildlife you, it's not clean. If communities are against it because it's mostly just burning trash, it's not clean energy. So clean has to be redefined to mean things that, yes, provide you power, but also save you money and don't put you in the hospital.
5: Now, we are seeing billions of dollars being spent all across this country. Uh, and we are hearing everyone talk about, again, clean energy jobs. But the question is, are we as African-Americans, are we benefiting or are we being left out like we historically have anytime you had any other uh, major change uh, in the economy?
19: Well, I hate to say something nuanced so early in the evening, but the answer is not. We don't know yet. So there are jobs in clean electricity vehicles. There are jobs in technology. There are jobs in manufacturing, whether that's putting up all this new infrastructure, making sure people have electric cars, making sure the batteries get taken out in ways, get made in from ways that don't involve mining. There are lots of jobs to be had. The money hasn't hit the street yet. So whether or not we get the contracts Is about whether we are set up for the infrastructure, whether we get the jobs at the other end of it, or about whether we've been training in the right places, whether we're in line to get those dollars and training, and whether or not we actually receive them.
5: All right. So, in terms of our capacity, um, are, are have those companies being created, and who is out there advocating on their behalf to make sure that we don't get left out? I look at what happened. Uh, with with the whole, uh, uh, you know, marijuana game, you know, multi-billion dollars, and guess what? We were the ones who went to jail. We couldn't get dispensaries.
19: Yeah, we paid the price that got locked out of the two or three meetings in the various state houses where they decided who was going to get it. So we do have a lot of lessons to learn. So as the Inflation Reduction Act, the IIJA, um, and all these other bills put money onto the street, some of them do have carve-outs. And so whether we are consumers who could l- reap the benefits for less money or folks who are put into the jobs, which are vocational jobs, jobs you don't need more than a four year uh, high school education to be able to get an installation and generation and transmission and get in the contracts and being a small business owner who hires other people to do these things or to make sure people don't come into your community and create jobs while you are without them. Those are things that we're going to have to fight for as this federal money, which is largely ungoverned, ends up in the hand of our governors, our mayors, our local officials. The question is, are we going to be there to demand that the 40 percent the federal government says it wants to see from this money and things like Justice 40 actually make it to our hands? So, we have multiple jobs to do. Yes, we've argued for the money. Now it's time to make sure that it lands in our bank accounts, literally, in our banks. I mean, it's been a rough week to talk about it, but
5: that's where we are. Questions uh, from our panel. Matt, you're first.
18: Yeah, so my question is, I know that there are a lot of times tax credits for consumers who purchase, let's say, electric vehicles. Are there any kind of tax credits for people who are actually employed in clean jobs or tax credits for employers to create clean jobs uh, to incentivize people taking them?
19: Yes. So, the tax credits you're talking about include um, jumpstart tax credits for new businesses that will help board workers afford the different things we're talking about. It's not just heat pumps and wind and water and solar. We are actually talking about being incentivized so that the money that's moving, most of the money that's in the Inflation Reduction Act, for better or worse, that has to go to black and brown communities, through um, all the methodology block grants will be spent. There's $3 billion dollars coming out of every part of the federal government. So whether we're talking about $3 billion for jobs, we're talking about $3 billion for neighborhood access, $3 billion for grants to reduce reduce air pollution at ports, $3 billion for heavy-duty vehicles, $3 billion for equity and environmental justice grants. We are the people who make up that work. So if it doesn't hit us, it's not doing what it's supposed to do. So yes, there is money. There isn't nearly enough, but there's more than what would have been on the table if we didn't get into this moment.
14: Shannon? I hear what you're talking about in terms of um, a lot of this work folks will be able to do with vocational training. Um, But when you look at being able to hire black and brown businesses, specifically in our urban areas where we need more energy options. We got a lot of broken public school systems. Is there any talk or work about actually changing curriculum, actually improving the public education so that if a company decides to come to Baltimore, let's say, that there is actually a curriculum in the school system to be able to get these these children work ready to be able to work in clean energy to actually qualify for the jobs that are gonna be coming?
19: I wish that was someone else's job to decide. Uh, Those of us who live in community are the exact right people to ask these questions. The answer to curriculum happens at your school board meeting. So whether or not the kids are being trained for jobs that exist or jobs that are about to exist is a question of whether or not you are knocking doors talking to your principal in the Department of Education at your local community space and talking to them about the fact that the high school education has to lead to a job a kid will actually want to get. So it's not up to someone else. That's
9: actually
5: on us. Uh, let's see here. Michael.
9: Hey, Tamara. Good to see you again. Uh, we both spoke uh, last year at the Midwest uh, Building Decarbonization Boy, program, uh, Equity Summit. So...
4: Um, Time running out. Ask your no question.
9: You. Okay, talk about... <laughs> um, talk about African-American-owned businesses getting contracts when it comes to green energy, things of this nature, okay? Because that oftentimes is something that's left out of the equation.
19: Yeah, so the $3 billion for environmental and climate justice block grants, black businesses are in the best possible position to get that money because it's about community-led projects and disadvantaged communities, which are very fancy ways to talk about us, right? So flagging for all the reasons that in the last segment you were talking about, avoiding using the magic words, these are dollars that are earmarked for our, for our use. The $3 billion in neighborhood access and equity grants is about transportation access. There are no communities in the history of America, other than indigenous our indigenous siblings, who have ever been involved in more transportation-related harms than anyone else. So we are at the front of the line. The question is, do we have enough businesses to be able to absorb it? The answer is yes. Are we going to be in the middle of the conversation where making sure other folks don't swoop in, borrow our cousins, uncles, brothers, and sisters for a commercial, and then take away the money from our communities? Also up to us.
5: All right then. Okay. So folks want to get more information about this, reaching your organization, where do they go?
19: Uh, Climatecritical.earth. So instead of .com or .edu, you can find us. We do a lot of good. We look just like you, and most of us are Black women. So all that talk about listening to us, following us, you can find us at climatecritical.earth.
5: All right, Tammy, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right, folks, got to go to a break. We come back. Ben Crump talks to this heinous case out of Virginia. Folks, the details are shocking and stunning. Another black man.
1: My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age
2: 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult
3: education centers near you at FinishYourDiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.
5: It's dead. We'll tell you about it next. Roller Martin Unfiltered on the Black Sun Network.
10: Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene. A white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. On that
5: soil. You, you will not.
4: impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives, and we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. What's up, what's up? I'm Dr. Ricky Dillard, the choir master. Hey, yo, peace world. What's going on? It's the love king of R&B, Raheem Devon, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. (laughs)
5: Folks, a shocking case out of Virginia. A black man uh, goes to uh, a mental hospital, and he ends up dead. Uh, It is uh, shocking and stunning. Uh, Irvo Otiena uh, is uh, the man's name. The family just the other day uh, got a chance to actually see the surveillance video uh, of the incident that led to his death, Um, and it is uh, shocking and stunning his parents uh, describe what they, uh, what they felt watching this 12-minute video.
16: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Caroline Ouko. Ivo Otieno is my son. Ivo was four years old when we came to the United States. Ivo went to kindergarten here at, in the United States proceeded to Takahoe Elementary School and Freeman High School and then went on to school college in California. Ivo is as American as apple pie. This is what he knows. This is home for him. And when you're home, you are in a community. We live in a community. We have friends. This young man you see here had a big heart. Ivo was the guy that his classmates drew to. When they needed someone to talk to, he was the listener. My son was tortured, to put it right. I saw the torture. Mm. There is no way that Henrico County sheriff deputies were on him. Seven people seven officers on one man and all this started when my son went to hospital on the third and that evening he was taken to jail, whisked from the back of the jail into the hospital. Those three days at Henrico County Jail were a horror.
5: Uh, you heard his mom there describe what happened, folks. Uh, he was uh, handcuffed, shackled, pinned to the ground by deputies, uh, and was suffocated. So far, uh, 10 people have been charged with second degree murder in his death, including seven Henrico County Sheriff's deputies uh, and three hospital employees. Joining us right now uh, from uh, New York is Ben Crump. Ben, uh, glad to have you. Um, this is uh, just, I mean, unbelievable. Um, and what the mother described is just crazy. First of all, why, why was he uh, why was he actually admitted? And how long... How, what, what happened to cause him to be admitted to this mental hospital?
20: Yeah, and, and Roland, I, I would let you know from the onset, I'm in the car in New York City, and I'm with the parents of Tyree Nichols sitting in the background of the car. And we were talking about Ivo in Richmond, Virginia, killed in the uh, jail there in Henrico County. And we also today were in Memphis, Tennessee, talking about Gershon Freeman killed in Shelby County Detention Center. Mm -hmm. Both of them were having mental health crisis and they were in the jail. And both of them were naked. Both of them uh, needed a helping hand, and both of them ended up with a death sentence. Um, the video we saw in Richmond, Virginia, uh, my investigator Kareem and I, and the family, was just horrific because Roland Martin, if ever police officers should know not to put their knee on anybody's neck, It's after George Floyd. But you see in this video where. There were, I guess, about 15 uh, uh, sheriff's deputies and hospital personnel in there. He is handcuffed. He has leg iron on. He's face down. And so you scratch your head because it boggles your mind why they felt the need to use such excessive force on him by putting the weight of those seven officers on him with a knee on the neck for over 11 minutes, Roland Martin, and... and charging those officers with second-degree murder that they literally smothered him to death.
5: So, um, and this took place exactly when?
20: This took place on March 6th, about a uh, week ago. And we saw the video, and the prosecutor is very similar to Tyree Nichols, let the family see the video first, uh, the videos I should say and then the federal uh, authorities are going to I guess watch the video and then she's going to make the determination, the city is going to make the determination when they're going to release the videos.
5: Wow, uh, this is uh, again just, just really just uh, unbelievable and again it goes <laughs> to show you what happens to African Americans whether they're in police custody, whether they're in jails, or whether they're in mental hospitals.
20: Exactly, Roland, and You know, how many more of these videos do we have to see before we can get this George Floyd Justice and Policing Act bill passed? You know, my heart is heavy as I'm sitting here with Rovonne Wells and Rodney Wells in this car thinking about why did their son have to be a sacrifice to hopefully get this legislation passed? Now we have uh, Ivo antino he died in Richmond on video. We're going to see that. We saw the video in George John Freeman in Memphis just today. How many more videos do we have to show the American government before they know and finally recognize we have a problem with policing in America?
5: Uh, indeed, indeed. Uh, ben Crump, we certainly appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot.
20: Right, God bless, Roland. And give our
5: Thank best you. to Tyree Nichols' family. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Roland. Um, Shannon, it is. Uh, I mean, th- these things—it's over and over and over again. And when you hear, when you hear, um, when you hear a lot of these Republican legislators who say, "Oh, we don't have systemic racism. We don't have systemic bias." I mean, these are just—these are just things that actually just happen. But they just keep happening to black people. It just, it just keeps hap—just just happens to black folks.
14: So I'm going to take the politics out of this, because this ain't a political thing. This is a, folks that don't look like us, not willing to understand, acknowledge, or, or <laughs> deal with the fact that racism does still exist. Do we want to think that—I raised our children not to see color. My husband and I both. B- but that's not the world that we live in. So again, politics removed. All folks that don't look like us— I believe, have an issue of understanding the sensitivity, the culture, um, and just stop being racist. I went—I spoke at a, a panel, and it was a political forum, and they asked, how do we change the perception of, of you know, the racism and, and rampant racism? I said, okay, it's real easy. Stop being racist. Come to the hood. Don't come and talk. Come and listen. We, we don't have communication. We don't have, there are some well-intended folks that really don't see themselves as being a part of the problem, but they are. And then there are those that know they're a part of the problem and are happy to continue to be that. We, we have to get to a place where we can acknowledge that there is racism and address the root cause why and then just kind of, you know, fix it. Because again, one of those issues where we're still here talking about it, it still exists, whether you want to acknowledge it or not.
5: But the thing here, um, uh, Michael, is you, you can't remove the politics because the politics Correct. comes in when you're trying to fix the problem. And we know for a fact, as Ben Crump said with the George Floyd Justice Act, it was that was Republican Senator Tim Scott who stood in the way. Democrats were on board. It was Tim Scott and Lindsey Graham. They could not get ten. They could get, not get eight other Republicans in the Senate to move. It died.
9: Uh, well, not only that, Roland, when it passed the House of Representatives in March of 2021, it passed by a vote of 220 to 212. 212 Republicans voted against the bill, including the black ones. So no Republicans supported the George Floyd Justice and Police Act. You can't get past the politics on this. Now, one of the problems, I would argue, is that they need to talk about the white people who are unjustly killed by police and flip the script on Republicans and box them in. Because... And they need to bring in the Fraternal Order police, and the International Association of Police Chiefs because both of those police organizations supported the George Floyd Justice of Policing Act, and they need to have Senate hearings and House hearings for them to talk about why it was good for everybody. They, they said it didn't take away from police officers' rights, and it also protected citizens. They need to bring in white crime mothers whose loved ones were unjustly killed by police and, and get those uh, white mothers strategically from states that whose senators you need, whose Republican senators you need to get their votes to get the bill passed. The, the way that they're tr- going about trying to get the bill passed, I when the majority of the people who have to vote for what you want don't look like you, you need to have a different strategy. Okay? And that's something that's missing here. Personally, no disrespect to the George Floyd family, I would take George Floyd's name off the bill. I would rename the bill the Law and Order Justice in Policing Act. I would flip the script on him. Donald Trump ran partly on the platform of law and order. I would talk about how white people are being harmed unjustly by police in the documented cases because uh, every year uh, the major- uh, m- uh, more white people are shot and killed by police than African-Americans. And when you look at fatal force, which is the most comprehensive database on police killings from The Washington Post, it tells you each year 50% of the people killed by police are white people. So a lot of people mean well, but to actually get this bill passed in the House and then in the Senate where you need 60 votes and you're going to need at least nine Republicans to vote for the bill,
5: the strategy that they're using to get it passed is not going to work. Uh, You know, Matt, I think you can rename it. I still think the vote will be the same.
18: I don't know. I I think what Michael said is, I mean, so compelling, because one of the things I was gonna say is I have considerably more clients who are not black than those who are black. Part of that is the demographics of where I live, but the reality is the numbers are that, you know, primarily white people are harmed by the police. So I I think... But, but, But are white folks speaking up, though? No, not the way they should, because
9: what I see... Oh, go ahead. I'll yield to Mike. My... No, go, go ahead. You're the attorney. Go ahead. I'm the historian. You're the attorney. Go <laughs> ahead.
18: What, what I see the difference being is that generally white people make everything a one-off, right? So every time a white person gets killed, they don't say that it's a systemic thing against white people. It is with our people. However, in order to make it a more palatable conversation, frankly, you need to include all the people that look like their siblings that are dying in jails in prisons and getting shot by the police, uh, rather than it being a one-off thing. A good example would be, think of that case they had in Minnesota, the young white woman that was killed by the black officer, right? That was a police brutality case, and they ran all over God's green earth with it because it was a young white woman. But it was still presented like it was uh, an aberration rather than, you know, something that happens pretty frequently. And I think broadening it to show that people of all colors, especially black people, are being harmed by the police in great number every year is very important to galvanizing that support. But I'll let Michael finish
5: what he was going to say. Uh, uh, Roll very quickly. I, I, I got my, so, I got
9: my twenty with, seconds. Twenty seconds. A lot of this has to do with the media. When you when you read Fatal Force, they document uh, a lot of these police killings. Their video, their, their dashcam videos, their cell phone videos. Where are the cell phone videos? Why isn't the white-controlled media showing the videos of white people being shot and killed by police? Because if they know if they, they know that if they did, there'll be an uprising from white people who will call for it to be changed. But as long as you make it look like it's a black issue and many white people see African-Americans as people who need
5: to be policed as opposed to being Got protected, it. they will keep the status quo. All right, folks, hold on one second. I gotta go to the break. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button, folks. Uh, so we can hit uh, a thousand likes. Also, download our app, Apple Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung, Smart TV. Don't forget, you can watch us now on Amazon News as well. You got Amazon Fire, click Amazon News. You can also have Alexa play the news from Black Star Network. That's all you got to do is say that and be sure to support us as well. Check in money orders, PO Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash App, dollar sign, RM unfiltered. PayPal, R-Martin Unfiltered, Venmo is R-M-Unfiltered, Zayle, Roland at RolandSMartin.com, Roland at RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. We'll be right back.
11: A lot of these corporations or people that are running stuff, push black people if they're doing a certain thing. What that does is it creates a butterfly effect of any young kid who, you know, wants to leave any situation they're in, and the only people they see are people that are doing this, so I gotta be a gangster, I gotta shoot, I gotta sell, I gotta do this in order to do it. And it just becomes a cycle, but when someone comes around and is making other Oh, we don't you know, they don't wanna push it, they put money into it. So that's definitely something I'm trying to fix too, is you show there's other avenues. You don't gotta be a rapper, you don't gotta be a ball player, you can be a country singer, you can be an opera singer, you can be a damn whatever, you know? Showing the, the different avenues and that is possible and it's hard for people to realize it's possible until someone died.
10: Owens America's Wealth Coach and my new show, Get Wealthy, focuses on the things that your financial advisor and bank isn't telling you, but you absolutely need to know. So watch Get Wealthy on the Black Star Network.
0: Pull up a chair, take your seat, the black tape. With me, Dr. Greg Carr. Here on the Black Star Network, every week, we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the-
1: My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age
2: 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult
3: education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.
0: Conversation only on the Black Star Network.
4: Hi, I'm Vivian Green. Hi, this is Essence Atkins. everybody, this is your man Fred Hammond, and you're watching Roland Martin, my man, Unfiltered.
5: Understanding money, how money works. Financial literacy is critically important. And the earlier we are able to get folks thinking about money and realizing how money works, the better we are. Uh, There's the Global Children's Financial Literacy Foundation. That's really what their focus is. Uh, And the co-founders are Navy veterans uh, Prince Dykes and Chadrick Davis. Uh, Their kids book club awards $40,000 worth of stocks and books Uh, to kids. uh, Joining us right now is Prince Dykes from Denver, Colorado. Uh, to tell us uh, how the program uh, works. Uh, glad to have you on the show, uh, Prince. So, um, so where did the idea start?
21: Um, this idea started back in 2013 when I finished my uh, grad school, my MBA. Started with my son, whose name is Wesley. Uh, hence to the book series Wesley Learns to Invest. Wesley learns about credit. Wesley learns about insurance. So it's just what me, when I finish school, the things I'm thinking about, things I wish... I had, that I was taught by my parents and that i noticed that other people, just noticing the educational gap that I wanted to pass on to my son.
5: And so, uh, since launching, how many kids have you been able to reach, touch, impact?
21: At this time, just with the book club program, it's been about 50 kids. Um, that's all just from the, from the book club itself probably like, getting to award the stocks to the kids. But um, with the club itself, We've partnered with, you know, we, we've done that through partnerships through the Boys and Girls Clubs, partnerships through schools, things like that, and community organizations. And, so, and,
15: and, and
5: how have you seen uh, the growth of uh, these boys and girls
21: when it comes to understanding of money? The thing is, they're introduced to topics like investing. They're introduced to topics of credit, insurance, and at the end, you know, if they become a winner of stock, their parents uh, actually get... Um, a brokerage account, a custodian account, and we install stocks into them. So that's been a great thing for us as well. So, you know, I've noticed that kids have been energetic about it, they've been excited, and they're mostly excited about having something that's tangible for them as well.
5: So, um, you know, one of the things that, that, that we often see is that we repeat the sins over and over and over again. Because, frankly, in many of our families, we aren't talking directly about money when when we are younger. Are you also seeing the parents of these children now become a lot more smarter when it comes to uh, uh, money, how they handle, how they make decisions?
21: Yes, when parents are awarded... Once parents have that custodian account for their child, most parents have the tendency to go out and want to purchase more stocks for them. But I'm not going to sit here and... Um, paint a pretty picture for you, Roland. It's it's been a struggle. I've seen some parents who, uh, you know, who haven't taken the interest into it. I've seen some parents who may have had backgrounds to where they're not allowed to get into it and things like that. But that's a deeper problem that we are slowly addressing. But, you know, some parents are just not into it. But we try to, you know, like Frederick Douglass said, you know, it's better to, to train a child, well, to fix a broken child versus to fix a broken adult. Something along those lines, that kind of paraphrase there.
5: Gotcha. Uh, Questions from our panel. Uh, Shannon, you're first. Uh, This is awesome. Um, I love what you're
14: doing. I think the the whole um, financial literacy, the book club, and expanding on that is really great. So how do we, um, if folks are interested in what it is that you're doing, how do they reach you to help Mm -hmm. you expand your program um, into other urban areas where it's needed, which is pretty much everywhere?
21: Yes, please uh, feel free to reach out to me, Prince, P-R-I-N-C-E, at childrensfinancialliteracy.org, or you can head over to our website, gclf.org, which is global, the acronym for Global Children's Financial Literacy.org, as you can see on your screen. And please reach out to us. Uh, We're looking to expand, grow, and to uh, make this the best program in the country.
5: Michael.
9: Michael, you're on mute. Okay, Prince, this is a great program. How do you help the children decide uh, when they want to buy more stocks? Like, which companies to invest in? Do you just go by what they like, or is is there another method involved in that?
21: Yes, the first thing we do is to tell kids to start where they spend their money. (laughs) Mm Excuse (laughs) me. Start with what they know and start where they spend their money. Like All kids know Nike, Apple, Coca-Cola. Those are stocks we started with with kids, starting with S&P 500 companies that kids know and are familiar with. But we have since evolved into the point now where we award kids index funds that tracks the S&P 500 because we want to make sure we're good stewards of what we award kids because I don't know what Nike will be in 20 years. I don't know what Apple will be in 20 years. And the last thing I want to happen is to be the one invested into Blockbuster, something like that. So we tell the kids, let's get a basket of the top 500 companies in America via the S&P 500 and have those dividends reinvested. All right, thank you, Matt? So my question is kind of similar. How have you
18: combated the fear that a lot of adults have of the stock market and the misunderstanding of how you can let money work for you? I know there are a lot of adults who are afraid to invest and they'd rather keep it under their mattress thinking that you can't trust the, the stock market. So how do
21: you combat that with the parents of these children whom you're helping. The thing is, you know, I, we, we, we evaluated that, and when we came into the marketplace, we noticed that there were so many things, um, kept not so many, but some things, most, most of the industry geared towards adults. We felt as though, how did you get to this point? And we mm-hmm. knew the reason why people got to this point, they feel so uncomfortable with things, because they wasn't introduced to them as a child. So we tried mm-hmm. to, with our book series, you know, with investing, credit, insurance and things like that, we attack it at the child at the earliest age possible and bring the parents along because the parents have to participate in order for the child to have a custodian account. So one of the things that we evolve into is to have parents uh, teach parents how to open up a custodian account, because like you said, a lot of them are afraid, just like myself, just like my dad. But I think a lot of it is geared towards we're not introducing to these topics as a child. So we want to do that uh, first and bring the parents along.
5: All right, then. Uh, and what is your goal? Let's say five years. What do you want to be five
21: years from now? My ultimate goal, five years for every kid when they walk into kindergarten, they have an investment account. We don't want to wait until a child turns 18 years old. Nothing wrong with that. Everybody gives them scholarships. The world, the open, they flood the gates with them with scholarships and grants, loans, things like that. How about we reallocate those resources to kindergartners? So our ultimate goal is when a child walks into kindergarten, they have a funded investment account. Every year, they get a financial literacy course. So giving them financial literacy with an investment account, when they turn 18 years old, so now when they get ready to go go out to college, to school, or anything like that, this is something that can help them. And they feel like this is not just a pie-in-the-sky theory. This is something that's tangible to them that they had since they were a child.
5: All right, then. All right. Where can people reach out and get more information from you?
21: Uh, feel free, you know, prince Prince at Um, My name is Prince Dykes. You can follow me or uh, reach out to me on Instagram. Shoot me a DM there, but the best way to reach out to us is follow our website, as you can see here. Follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Instagram, and feel free to reach out if there's any way you would like us to help you. Or that we can help you as well. All right, help us or help you. All right, Prince, thanks a lot. Roland, thank you. All right,
5: folks, you see, I'm repping uh, Howard University. Um, they, of course, they made March of Madness. Uh, unfortunately, they lost to the number one seed, Kansas Jayhawks, uh, 96 to 68. Vice President Kamala Harris, uh, graduate of Howard University, she was uh, in the stands. Uh, watching the Bison uh, perform. Uh, this was the first time they had made March Madness since 1992. So it's been 31 years. And so, uh, of course, uh, how the folks, what's wrong, Matt? you shaking your head. What's wrong?
18: First, we had to fly his jerseys in the whole tournament, but uh, just proud to see Alma Mater doing well, as always.
5: Gotcha. Well, uh, trust me, uh, I'm right there with you, because uh, we lost in the first damn round. I don't know how in the hell Texas A&M lost to Penn State. We were seven seed, they were ten seed. Uh, but after the game, Vice President uh, Harris did have an opportunity to speak to the Bison in the locker room.
12: You guys are so good. You guys are so good. You played hard. You played to the very last second. You made all us Bisons so, so proud. You hustled out there. You are smart. You are disciplined. You put everything you had into the game. And you know, that's what it's about, right? Until the last minute. You guys did that. You didn't stop until the last second you did not stop. And that is so inspiring. So you keep playing with chin up and shoulders back. Because you showed the world who bison are, right? I mean, literally what you have done is in historic proportion. You know, I was at Howard back in the day where we were just happy that there was a game, (laughs) much less getting to this place, right? And I see bison literally all over the world and we've been talking about you, this team, this team, you all, this team, this year, this team. You make us so proud. So I know you may not be feeling great right now. Okay? But know who you are. You are excellence. You are hard work. You are powerful. And you are winners. Alright? So please know that. Please know that. And I'll see you later. And if you guys ever want to come and do a White House tour with coach, where's right here, Coach right right oh, There you are. Come, so we should, we plan, if you guys want at some point, right? When it's like a, you know, when you feel like playing hooky at Friday afternoon, whatever. <laughs> Just come and we'll do a White House tour, okay? All right, I'm so proud of you guys. So proud of you. you. All right. You. I'll see
5: you later. Right. Thank you. Well, normally, uh, Shannon, the winner uh, of uh, March Madness, uh, gets to go with, visit with the president, but... When you, when you, when you're your, when the vice president of your school, what the hell? You get to make a trip too.
14: Hmm. I ain't mad at it. Uh, I got nothing. You know, everybody's talking about I keep, keep trying to say take politics out. I am a Republican. She is Democrat. But I ain't mad at it. You know, these these young folk are our future, and to encourage them and let them understand at an early age that you have goals, you have dreams, you have things you may outcomes you may want. It doesn't always happen, but as long as you can do it and do everything you do with, with decency and in order, it's time to keep the head up, shoulders back, and keep it moving forward. I, I ain't mad at it. Uh, and, and, and I'm
20: the,
14: Virginia State, by the way, not Howard. Just huh? I mean, we, we could be talking about Virginia State. I mean, I would have liked that a little bit more. I'm just
5: saying. Did, did y'all make the tournament? Go Trojans, I don't care, Did, y'all, did y'all make the tournament? Go Trojans. I uh, take the answer is no. Uh, you did make the <laughs> tournament, so, uh, yeah, okay, I thought so. All right, I gotta go to a break. We'll be back, rolling by the unfiltered on the Black Star Network.
7: On the next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, re-entry anxiety. A lot of us are having trouble transitioning in this post-pandemic society and don't even realize it. We are literally stuck between two worlds, in purgatory how to get out of purgatory and regain your footing and balance
10: what emotions they're feeling and being able to label them because as soon as you label an emotion it's easier to self-regulate it's easier to manage that emotion the next a balanced
7: life on black star network
10: on the next get wealthy with me deborah owens america's wealth coach the studies show that millennials and Gen Xers will be less well off than their parents. What can we do to make sure that we get to children younger and that they have the right money habits? Well, joining me on the next Get Wealthy is an author who's created a master playbook.
6: Be willing to share some of your money mistakes, right? If that's what if that's what you have to lean on. Um, start with the money mistakes that you have made, but don't just tell the mistake, right? Tell the lesson in the mistake.
10: That's right here on Get Wealthy, only on Black Star Network.
0: Pull up a chair. Take your seat the Black Tape. With me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network. Every week, we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the black star network
4: hi i'm vivianne green hi this is essence atkins hey everybody this is your man fred hammond and you're watching roland martin my man unfiltered
5: Zakia Harris left her Indianapolis, Indiana home on February 16th. Has not returned. The 17-year-old is 5 feet 6 inches tall, weighs 155 pounds, with brown hair and brown eyes. Anyone with information about Zakia Harris should call the Indianapolis, Indiana Police Department at 317-327-3155. 317-327-3155. Uh, why do people act a fool over parking spaces? A Missouri jury, old, convicted a man of shooting an Amazon delivery driver. In a dispute over an accessible parking spot. This is just stupid. Larry Thomason was found guilty of first degree assault and armed criminal action in the March 2019 shooting of Jalen Walker, who was paralyzed from the waist down. Walker illegally parked his delivery van in an accessible parking spot. When Thomason confronted him, the two got into a fight. Thomason then pulled out a gun and shot Walker in the back. Thomason will be sentenced. On May first, I, I never understand these people, uh, Matt. Who you want? You act a fool. You do something, and now your ass going to prison over something silly like a parking spot.
18: Yeah, uh, this is insane. Uh, this guy threw away his life over a parking spot. There's nothing to say beyond that, and took away functionally a life in, in a lot of respects. You know, now this young man is paralyzed from the waist down over something that could have been, uh, you know, maybe express your frustration and let it go on. But this is ridiculous and this is the kind of thing, unfortunately, I've seen in my practice uh, where people have just not been able to regulate and they end up taking away their own lives by poor decisions. Uh,
5: How about this one here? A Colorado man faces hate crime charges. This idiot for drawing a swastika and writing anti-black slurs on public spaces in New York City. Not a good place to do that. James Ryan was indicted on three counts of criminal mischief uh, as a hate crime and three counts of aggravated harassment for drawing a swastika on the gates to City Hall and an anti-black slur on a Pillar on December 13, 2021. He also spray-painted a large swastika and wrote another anti-black slur outside of CVS Pharmacy and the Charging Bull statue on Wall Street. Um, Yep, that's not going to fly in New York City, uh, Michael.
9: Uh, no, it's not gonna fly in New York City. But, see, once again, a lot of these people think they could get away with it, and they're drinking, you know, Trump's, uh, juice, uh, and think that they can just do whatever they wanna do, say whatever they wanna say, and not have consequences. So, um, these hate crimes are on on the rise. NBC News just had an article about that. Yep. So, yeah, these people need to be held accountable.
5: Uh, sad story out of your city, Baltimore. Uh, You have lost one of uh, the uh, strong actors there, uh, Shannon. That is Lance Reddick, 60 years old, star of The Wire, uh, as well as uh, the John Wick series. John Wick 4 actually is out um, uh, as we, is coming out. And um, he was found at his home uh, this morning uh, of natural causes. Of course, he starred in more than 60 movies, also was very, very, uh, involved in a lot of video games as well. We had an opportunity to catch up with him on the red carpet of the American Black Film Festival honors uh, a, a few years ago. What's
15: up, sir? How you doing? Have we met before? I just seen you. Uh,
5: you probably seen me on television or the news, but I, I've seen you. My wife was a huge John Wick fan.
15: Okay. Uh, I don't know if I can keep watching 500 people get killed. <laughs> yeah, the numbers seem to go up every movie. Right. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. I said, baby. All they do is people getting killed. She's like,
5: I know, but it's great. Like, she's a crazy John Wick fan.
15: Oh, got it, got it. Well, I, I hope she likes my character, too. Oh, no, she'll join this interview, because I'm talking about, like, owns all three Blu-rays. Got it. <laughs> yes. And then recorded on the on the
5: cable, I said, you, you own the Blu-ray. Yeah, but that's if I want to look for the Blu-ray. I Got to ask you this question. Okay. One nice Honor the great Lou Gossett. Your thoughts about Lou Gossett?
15: Wow. Uh, so many thoughts about Lucas. I mean, uh, <laughs> he's one of the, I mean, it's such a cliche to say, but he's one of those cats whose shoulders I stood on. You know what I mean? I mean, I wouldn't be able to be doing this without him. Yeah. One of the, but also, he hasn't stopped. He st- he's still acting. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny. You know, I, I um, the last thing I remember seeing him in was Boardwalk Empire. <laughs> and, uh, and he killed it. He killed it. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's all, I'm glad that they're honoring
5: him so he gets to see, feel all of that love that's going to be in the room tonight.
15: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So it's going to be pretty good. What you got going on? What's next for you? Uh, I just wrapped a movie called One Night in Miami that's based on a play. Uh, it's, Regina, it's Regina King's first film that she's directing. Uh, I'm about to start another film. Unfortunately, I can't talk about it yet. It's all good. Uh, I, we just wrapped the third season of um, Corporate, which is a show that I do on Comedy Central. And then later on this year, we're going to uh, go into the final season of Bosch on Amazon. Okay. Yeah. Well, good luck with it. We'll be seeing you in all of that. And I'm sure my wife was saying, was "Waiting for John Wick 4. <laughs> it's a pleasure. It's an honor to meet Absolutely. you,
5: sir. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Indeed, uh, a great actor, Shannon.
14: Absolutely. You know, um,
5: <laughs> you mentioned
14: The Wire and John Wick. I, I am a, a John Wick fan. Everybody in my household was a John Wick fan. And the one with the puppy and, you know, motivating the, the revenge. And it's not just killing. There's actually a story there. And and his character has a lot to do with the story. Um, but, you know, it's, it's awesome to see folks that don't forget where they're
5: from yep. and give back and invest. Um, and it's sad when we see them leave too soon. Indeed. 60 years old, Lance Reddick. I uh, passed away. Matt, Michael, Shannon, we surely appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Uh, I'll see y'all again, folks. I got to go. I'll see y'all uh, Monday right here on Rolling Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Off to Dallas, my youngest sister's getting married, Zena. So I'll be, uh, yeah, I've been put to work. I'll be videotaping the wedding. I've been doing that for the longest. It's all good. I'll see y'all on Monday. Holla! i mm-hmm.
7: Hi, I'm Dr. Jackie Hood-Martin, and I have a question for you. Ever feel as if your life is teetering and the weight and pressure of the world is consistently on your shoulders? Well, let me tell you, living a balanced life isn't easy. Join me each Tuesday on Black Star Network for A Balanced Life with Dr. Jackie.